0: You are listening to Aldrin Sampia on SFM. It is fourteen minutes after four o'clock. We're in conversation next with the national spokesperson for Sabu, Lisiba um, last week there was a story regarding a Bramfontein shooting where a police officer was killed by a metro um, Metro Police Officer. We wanted to have a conversation whether off-duty firearms should remain with police officers and what happens if firearms um, deployed to police officers are used in crimes. Uh, Lisiba Tobakhale is the spokesperson for um, the South African Police Union. Lisiba, good afternoon and thank you so much for making time for us.
1: Afternoon uh, to yourself and also to your listeners back at home.
0: Is it even possible, Lisiba, to have a situation where you have police officers not having their firearms while off-duty?
1: If we really uh, want to find ourselves as a country not having any police officer, that action uh, should be taken. Uh, Clearly, we are saying that because remember a police officer takes an oath when they become police officers Mm. after they are training and the oath you take it by then and you abide by the oath you don't say when you go off duty that now i've abandoned my oath so that takes you uh, it, it goes with you every time even when you are off duty you are allowed to place yourself on duty because you are a police officer when there are situations where be it your own life being it in danger or the life of others being in uh, anti you know being in danger as well you have to intervene because you are carrying that responsibility of being a police officer so no one can say no hold on let me go home and take I mm. firearm and come and assist you when you are being robbed and come and assist when there is a cash in transit happening when there is a robbery that is happening in shop right also on so police officers always have this duty uh, for them yep. to place themselves on duty at any time and we're seeing with the high uh, numbers of police killings in this country meaning that when they will if, if they happen not to be armed it will just be even easier for criminals to kill even more police officers which we cannot allow as a union because we know we will be endangering the lives of our own members
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you make a you make a, a good point there about a police officer and the oath that they take. We know of several court cases where um the ministry, for instance, was sued when a police officer acted in a criminal way while off duty. So the onus is still there, um that you still that you're still a crime fighter as part of the oath that you have taken. But then um we're speaking here about a service pistol that has been issued by the state Um, and by extension by the people who have actually elected whoever is governing the state at the time. What responsibility then do police officers have uh, when it comes to how they carry their firearms in public, especially once they are off duty?
1: Uh, The carrying of firearms, remember the ones that that, that police officers carry home, it's what we call they fall under a designation of equipment that falls under SAP 108. It is in terms of the uh, the standing order pro- uh, procedures that are there within the SAPs, which means that when you pass, after, after having passed out in college, there's some equipment that are signed out to you to be in possession of them. And we also need to remember that the firearms controls act. It applies to everyone, whether it is a state firearm or not. Uh, the very same act which is the law it applies to everyone and everybody has a responsibility to Utilize the firearm uh, within the ambit of the law in terms of the Firearms Control Act, and as well, the police officers have also have a, a responsibility to make sure that they uh, they you know they act appropriately when it comes to the handling and the use of the firearm because everything has to be within the ambit of the law at all times. So, like everyone, even if yourself you happen to uh, to possess a a private firearm the very same firearms controls act it applies to you you've got a responsibility to make sure that if you are to use it you need to use it responsibly responsibly so you need to make sure that you don't lose that firearm and so on and so on
0: yeah and then when it comes to the employees uh, employees health and wellness of seps officers um where do you think some of the lapses are
1: we have a challenge and you will be shocked to learn that an organization that has been reported to have 183,273 Uh, Members, It only has 600 employee health and wellness uh, members, uh, you know, who are falling within that component. And amongst that, the the ideal ratio that's supposed to be utilized, it says one, uh, we use an example like one psychologist should be responsible for at least 500 members. But the current, you know, the highest one that is being utilized is the one that is saying that one, uh, you know, psychologist is supposed to be responsible for around 10,108
0: mm-hmm. uh, in provinces like Haute. One That's, psychologist? Shows, yeah, Not even private psychologists have so many clients. Yes. So what we are putting here, the the
1: the, the, the challenge that is there is that, employee health and wellness within the subs is understaffed. It doesn't have resources that they have to go and debrief our members. And that on its own, it plays a a negative role when it comes to the mental health of our police officers because after they've attended those gruesome scenes, if they do not have anyone to debrief them before they could go home, they happen to live with this trauma and then this trauma becomes a norm, can they inwardly you have been affected? And we only see at a later stage when one is basking out to say, you know what, that trauma is clearly affected, uh, you know, the specific member. That is why, you know, as an as, as, as an organization, we have then placed a position paper that uh, employee health and wellness, they must have their own structure yeah. and policy. Don't give them ranks. Make sure that they act as professionals yeah. so that you can be able to retain them.
0: Liseba, is it true that the psychologist's report, um, this is now after the police officers has gone for consultation, that once they apply for a position, a senior position, or they are being promoted, that the psychologist's report, the psychologists report is also looked at?
1: I know that is not, that, that cannot be true. It is not about, it is not about that. If there's a myth that is saying that, that is not the case, because we've got members who go through uh, what is applicable in terms of the national instruction that deals with promotions. It has those requirements that are there. The only thing that is available is when you go to be a senior manager. It's about whether you have a top secret and so on and so on. Mm-hmm. That is what is applicable. Not to say, you know, a psychologist's report must be the one that comes for you to be promoted. That is not true.
0: Uh, we've got a quick uh, voice note here. Just a question on our voice note, line on zero six one four one zero four one zero seven.
2: Good day, SAFM uh, listeners. Aldrin, can you please ask the SAPS officials that is there, can you ask this question, what should happen? What must happen if the person who got a gun, maybe the members of your family who've got a gun and then he passed away? What must happen with that gun? I'm asking this question because after my father passed away, we took this gun to the SAPS police station, and we never received any sort of proof as we returned the gun. What must happen? Please, maybe you need to, to get someone also to just to educate us on these issues. Because there are a lot of people that are out there who family member pass away, but they still have these guns.
0: Okay, fair point there, but uh, Lisiba is not a police official. He's speaking in his capacity as a spokesperson for the South African Police Union. But Lisiba, do you have an answer for him?
1: Yeah, no, we can assist with an answer in relation to that. Uh, remember if it is a private, private firearm the owner passes on unfortunately you know a, a, a firearm works with a license it, one has to be licensed to possess that they have to be taken to the police station and there they have to be administered through the SAP 13 which is our exhibit book and then then uh, actually, it's what we call surrendering. There's a form of surrendering that firearm that needs to be completed, and it also goes into the mm-hmm. SAP 13 for destruction. Those are the firearms that get destruction if no one is taking it over in one way or another. Yeah. But in most cases, that is what should happen. Because Do you receive a receipt? One cannot, you cannot inherit it in that way.
0: Yeah. Do you receive a receipt as confirmation that the firearm has been handed in? When
1: one goes through and complete that uh, form, you know it, is, it, it it has quite a lot it, it has quite a lot of pages within it. One can even request uh, to say give me a copy of it because okay. everyone whoever is surrendering in that firearm would have signed, and the police officer would have signed, and then that one like a copy could be utilized to say it has been handed in it is no longer. and when you do that, you also bring remember you must bring the license there to show that this is a legal firearm not to find that it is an illegal and so on and so yeah.
0: on. Okay, thank you so much for your time. Lisiba Tobakhale is the spokesperson for the South African Police Union.